This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to our two-part series on espionage. Mm. Oh, I like that word. I uh, love that word. Espionage. <laughs> I'm Sensei Michelle. I'm Sensei Jackie. I'm Sensei Lydia. And I'm Sensei Derek. And you guys will know Sensei Lydia and Sensei Derek from a million times they've been on. Okay, a little bit of an exaggeration. A little bit, but... <laughs> But they've been on plenty, so we suggest you go back to their first or second episodes to learn all about them. We also suggest that you follow us on Instagram because then you can see video of us being silly. That's true. And they're both on our YouTube video that... um, Yeah, where we celebrated... How many episodes was that? Was it three Three, years? Three years. Three years. We celebrated three years. Mm -hmm. And... Our contact information is Wildcat Dojo all over the web, except at Instagram, we're Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Yes, mm-hmm. we are. And if you want to write us, we're Dojo Conversations at AOL. And we really need to jump right in. We have a lot to cover. I don't know if mm-hmm. we'll get it done in our regular amount of time. You want to start me out, Sensei Lydia? Sure. Simply put, espionage is the act of using spies to gather information, figure out how to use it and also spread false information. That's right, Sensei, and that is still the point today. But let's stop just a second and say we have a lot of sources for this. They include spymuseum.org. I love that one. (laughs) Me too. Thehistorypress.co.uk, encyclopedia.com, and one even called tattoolife.com. That's cool, right? I know, that one was really fun. And I'm going to add that I even reached out to a couple of friends for some material on modern day espionage. That's a subject. (laughs) Thank you guys for your help. And we are talking about spies. Right, right. I doubt we need to define a spy, but just in case, they're the person who steals secrets for another organization. They're also called assets or agents. Ooh, like a secret agent man. Secret (laughs) agent man. Now, if Landon were here, he would totally be razzing us, wouldn't he? But now he was going to say Derek to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And I bet that you can Google that and find that on YouTube somewhere. What do you bet? Oh, sure. It's an old TV series, I believe. It is. Yes. It is. Okay. Spies, where are we going? Uh, So I'll go. Uh, Spies are motivated by anything from loyalty to money. And I've got one. They're almost always disguised as someone else, from a diplomat to a clergyman, even to a janitor. Okay, we're going to talk more about that in the next episode. But right now, let's get into a little bit of the history. I'm going to start with a mention of Sun Tzu's book, The Art of War. You know, that's a really good idea. The fact that it came up as a source on this subject finally got us to put the book on our reading list. And it's going to be our next book for the book crew. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is a spoiler alert, but also, what a book. You're going to have to wait for the episode. (laughs) All right, let's get back to what we found. In um, Sun Tzu's book, he defines four kinds of spies. A local spy who lives among a community, inside spies who are seized from the enemy's ranks, either because they quit or were fired from positions there. Right. And then there are what Sun Tzu called reverse spies. Today, we'd call them double agents. Uh, And finally, here are what he calls dead spies to describe an agent who plants false information for the enemy to find. 
I just want to say the whole false information thing. I get it, mm-hmm. but I'd never really thought of it before. I would say it probably doesn't feel as relevant as the other information. You're thinking, okay, false information. They could just go and verify it. But No, but it's they, a really good spy technique, isn't it? Uh, and it's all we talk about it now with social media. Oh, mm, oh disinformation and disinformation. Okay, let's get back to history one more time, it's shall everywhere. we? Mm-hmm. All right, then I get to start us out. There is anecdotal evidence saying that spying dates back as far as biblical times. Oh, yes, that's right. I also read that spying is mentioned in the Old Testament. Us, and there's actual written proof from the 14th century. BCE of ancient Egypt having spies. The writings are called the Armana letters. At the time, information was recorded on clay tablets that mention intelligence gathering and espionage. Mm. Uh, I read where the kind of spying they did included things like planting someone in the masses and having them report back about everything from civilians that were not loyal to countries that would be easily overrun and taken over. Mm. I read that too. There were agencies or networks created in the Middle East and in Byzantium. These organized groups spied on foreign militaries. They got their information from traders, merchants, sailors, and other travelers. Hmm. Right. And some people posed as these, the sailor or the simple traveler, but the whole time they were spies. Mm. Wow. And all this was 2,500 years ago, according to written records. It's simultaneously amazing and a a little bit disturbing. Uh, (laughs) It is. Just a little bit. It is. It certainly is. is. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of our Poison podcast. It was interesting and gross at exactly the same time. I do remember that. I remember that as well. Uh, Speaking of people who poisoned each other, (laughs) kind of a weird segue there, but uh, there was plenty of espionage in ancient Greece and in Rome. Right. In Greece, Rome and Egypt, they used written communication. They developed codes, trick inks, and hidden compartments, all for spying. And like you insinuated, they also included poisons as one of the tools of the trade at that time. Okay, so we should tag the poison episode into the show notes in case somebody missed it. That was a good one. Good idea, but back to Greece. A story one of your friends sent over was so weird. A leader, well, a tyrant really, in ancient times tattooed one of his slaves' bald heads and Mm. sent him to his son-in-law with instructions for an insurrection. Yes. How bizarre is that? Yes. Too bizarre. Right? It actually reminds me of um, the Yakuza. In oh, Japan, yeah. they tattooed on the people, people's How backs. How did I not yeah. get them in this? Well, they're more uh, mafia-related than just oh, spy-related. That's how I missed them, because they didn't come up in any of this research. I right. actually saw that in an episode of Hawaii Five-O <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> a little pop culture when yeah, we don't have land in the Jesus. But back to the Greeks and the Romans. They made some big steps in espionage. 100%. One was an efficient way of communicating between cities via outposts, kind of like their own version of the Pony Express. Right. And they're also credited with using a semaphore system, which is a system of signals to convey messages. These forms of communication were so efficient that they remained the gold standard until modern times. Hmm. Huh. So what is a semaphore? I think there's a joke there. (laughs) (laughs) But I looked it up. And will actually answer the question. It's a simple system of flags with symbols on them. 
And you know what else? Mm. What? what? Semaphores are still used today in special circumstances and even as a drill team event. Hey, mm. that's cool. Before we leave the ancient times behind, we have to give Rome some credit. They did have the most famous case of espionage. That's right. It is, of course, the one that led to Julius Caesar's death on March 15th, 44 BCE. The Ides of March. Yeah, the Ides of March. The exact details of the conspiracy are a mystery. But records did show that the Roman version of the CIA did know about the conspiracy and they ignored it. So mistakes were also always a part of spying, even way back in ancient nice, times. Nice. But there's even more. The Romans are credited with all kinds of underhanded espionage tactics. Everything from simply spying on their neighbors to sending agents into other territories to get their leaders to turn on each other and even join forces with the Romans. Us. I read where the Roman Empire made political espionage part of their common practice. For this, they used techniques like eavesdropping. They created a secret police force in the first century CE. These secret police were called frumentari. By the third century, writers were openly calling the secret police not so secret and outwardly calling them an occupational force. Mm. Isn't that something? Oh, wow. Wow, I'm in the third century. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, I'm going to leave Rome behind and move on to the Middle Ages. By that time, diplomats and spies were so interchangeable that most of the time you couldn't tell them apart. Mm. Hang on one second. Let me tangent off to say that between the collapse of Rome and the beginning of the Middle Ages, it was called the Dark Ages, and it was seriously disorganized. You know what? Thanks for that. I, for one, have trouble keeping up with all the different ages. Who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's hard to keep track of it all. I didn't even get it right on my history test. (laughs) I said just keeping my own ages. (laughs) (laughs) I actually remember that. That's funny. Okay, Sensei Lydia, get us back on track. Sure. By the start of the Middle Ages, France and England became espionage powerhouses. What makes this interesting is that literacy was rare, so mostly messages were delivered verbally. Mm. Hmm. I never really thought of that before, did you guys? Not did really, not. no. It does make sense, though, doesn't it? Right? And almost immediately, laws were created to guard against things like treason, double allegiances, and espionage. There was some serious Game of Thrones politics going on between the powerful church, powerful states, and powerful businesses all spying and deciding who did and did not get punished and how. Mm. (sighs) Holy cow, no wonder Game of Thrones was so popular, right? (laughs) Well, dare I say that there's another thing that hasn't changed in centuries. (laughs) (laughs) I think Sensei Jackie just went for a little sarcasm. I love it. Uh, Me too. But I do have a fun fact. A Secret Service organization was created by Queen Elizabeth I, and she reigned from 1558 to 1603. Ah, and for people like me who are slightly historically challenged, that was about 50 years after the end of the Middle Ages, the beginning of the Renaissance period. And I'll finish with this part by adding that the kings and queens at the time didn't change how they did their spying much. They used spy networks, secret communications, and secret agents, as well as double agents. But one thing that did change was the technology of the time. They used improved math skills to create complicated encryption, 
and the reinvention of Invisible Ink. I know why you said reinvention. That is because Pliny the Elder first mentioned using the mill of a certain plant to create invisible ink in the first century CE. Mm. Right. And in the Renaissance period, a man with a great name, Giovanni (laughs) Battista della Porta, invented an ink from an alum and vinegar to send secret Mm. messages. This ink needed to be sent on a shell of a hard-boiled egg and could only be read after the egg had been peeled. Wow. Mm. Right? I'm sorry, but I'm still wowing. (laughs) How people thought of these things. Exactly. And they had a meal afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if Landon were here, he'd be complimenting Sensei Jackie on being able to pull off that name. Oh, that name is very tough. (laughs) It was beautiful, though. So I'm back to Invisible Ink. It comes into play in the Revolutionary War. And I'm going to move us on with some details about the spying going on right before the Revolutionary War. So we're all the way up to the 18th century. George Washington was the person who organized all the spies that were employed at the time. Mm, uh, And I'll add on to that. Washington employed a guy named Dr. James Jay to create and secure the Invisible Ink that we mentioned a minute ago. Okay, that's cool. So we're going to spend the next episode going over some famous spies. But I want to give you a tease today with a spy network that was used during the Revolutionary War. I'll take this one. Thanks, Sensei. It was called the Culper Ring, and it was mostly in and around Long Island, New York. They provided intelligence directly to General George Washington about Britain's base in New York City. It was started in 1777. It turns out that General Washington wrote a letter to a guy named Nathaniel Sackett. Sackett was a New York businessman who was already active in the spy game. He offered Sackett 50 bucks a month to spy for the Continental Army, plus another 500 to set up a spy network. That network would become the Culper Ring, and it helped steer the colonial army to victory. That was really interesting, Sensei. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I looked it up. And $50 back then is the equivalent of a little more than $1,000 today. Mm. I'm not sure how I feel about $1,000 a month for being a spy. <laughs> Seems a little low to me. But... Yeah, it's a little seriously underpaid for today, by today's standards. <laughs> but we're going to move on to the 20th century. May I start? Please do. Things change a lot in the 1900s. Communication is quicker, not compared to today, but we'll get there. And everything that supports espionage, disguises, coercion, and encryption grow by leaps and bounds. Mm. That's interesting, right? Yes. So let's pick it up at World War I. To all of us here, World War I is fairly recent history. Mm -hmm. But some of you might want a reminder that this is the early 20th century. It seems like a long time ago, but it really wasn't. A hundred years, right? It was a hundred years ago now. Woo, that's creepy to say. (laughs) It's long ago, but it's not so long ago. (laughs) Long ago, but not far away. (laughs) Okay, who's going to get us back on World War I? No, that's I got it, Sensei. Uh, Most of the spying at this time was eavesdropping on enemy communications, but there was also code breaking and cryptography, which is the writing and solving of complicated codes. The latest technology at the time was just radio and telegraph. And there was another form of communication, the carrier pigeon. Mm. Us. 
According to the Naval History website, from 1917 to 1918, pigeons flew 10,995 missions. Mm -hmm. There were 2,500 birds in the U.S. Navy flock and 900 in Europe. How cool would it be to talk to someone who flew carrier pigeons? So cool. Oh, I would <laughs> love to. Nice. Maybe our Falcony guy knows somebody. Maybe. In the meantime, if you know somebody out there, could you please let us know? Just to remind everyone, we're still in World War I. Wow, we sure are. And you know, the most famous spy of World War I was Matahari. And we'll talk about her in a little detail in the next episode. But, and this is interesting. On the simpler note, secret messages were hidden all over the place to be retrieved by other spies. Some of the places included cigars, tins that were labeled canned food, tuna, and the one I saw online was labeled ox tongue. Okay, first off, gross. (laughs) (laughs) And secondly, so we don't have to continue to talk about ox tongue, I'm going to tell you guys that I saw on TV, an actual hidden message hiding place on a show in England. Mm -hmm. And what it was is in the countryside, there was a cog in a fence post. So a cog is like a large wooden peg that holds the post Mm. together. When you looked at it, it looked like nothing. And there was a secret way to get the cog out. And inside there was a message hidden in it. By today's standards, that was probably pretty basic. But to me, it was so amazing to see. Uh, That's cool. And useful. Oh, my gosh. I would use that today. Like if I wanted to leave messages for a friend, I think we should invent our own. There you go. Okay. Do we have to move on to World War II now? I think so. Do I even have to say everybody had spies? Yes. Even double and triple agents. Uh, (sighs) I also read that. On the History UK site, they mentioned that Winston Churchill created his own secret service It was named Churchill's Secret Army. These men gathered info, of course, but they also did sabotage and recruiting other agents from England and other European countries. One of the things that I read was that they would forge documents to throw off the enemy. Mm. That's cool. I think it's really cool. The thing that amazes me about all this is how it happens all around you all the time. And until I really started thinking about this, it wasn't something that ever came into my head. You know, you're right. And it's interesting that spy recruits came from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. So here are two examples. There was a prince from India and a convicted criminal from the UK. Mm. Right. Every minute I'm just like, huh, this Mm. is making my mind explode. (laughs) But before we hit on to modern times, I have a fun fact. Even if you don't watch movies, everyone has heard of James Bond. Of course. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, My favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly, he was based on a World War II spy named Yao Thomas. He was known to the German army as the White Rabbit. I think you guys will talk about him in the next episode. He's on the list. But now we're seriously running out of time and we need to touch on modern times. So I was reading some things about modern espionage and cyberspeak. It just made my head spin. <laughs> yes. It really did. Uh, That was really what made me reach out to my friends who are more cyber savvy than I am to get a little feedback on the new changes. That was a good idea. Thanks. The information they sent and the sites they sent, wow, it just exploded my poor head. 
and it could easily lead to a person being paranoid about being spied on constantly. Easily. <laughs> Having said that, and to put it into kindergarten terms, computers really upped the spy game. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely us. And I'll add that drones are used pretty regularly for surveillance, too. Mm. Us. You're 100% right. Another complication is the fact that even in 2023, the world of the web is like the wild, wild west. And governments are scrambling to create laws on something that they really can't wrap their collective heads around. You're right, Cincy Derek. Everyone agrees that cyber spying is illegal, but spying in general is illegal. Spying is usually a government versus government, although you do have industrial espionage, which can be company versus company, and even governments versus companies. In the U.S. alone, there are 17 branches to its spy network. We won't name them all, but everyone has heard of the CIA. And there's one called the Defense Intelligence Agency that tries to figure out what other governments are doing before they do it. Mm. And every branch of the military has its own intelligence agency also. Right. And there's one just for keeping track of spy satellites and one just for advanced mapping for the military. I thought that was interesting. Was. That was yeah, very, that's absolutely. very interesting. Yeah. Okay. And this is just the information that I could easily find. There was no dark web involved in any of this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not even sure how to do the dark web. So we're talking serious amounts of intelligence gathering going on all the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. My friend talked a lot about the inability of enforcing privacy laws, which we all understand. But at the same time, we don't completely comprehend. Do you agree with that? Uh, so I, I, I definitely agree. In the end, it's a matter of conscience. And that totally takes us back to the ancient times and Sun Tzu and the art of war. Even though we'll do a whole episode on the book, he did famously say that the best war is no war. Well, that's not exactly how he said it. The quote <laughs> is, the greatest victory is that which requires no battle. Fair no, enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and it does remind me of the podcast you did a few weeks ago on the saying, if our karate is perfect, we never have to use it. See, that's true. That's true. But you know what it also reminds me of? The best block is no block. Oh, uh, that's good, too. I'm glad we're ending on a little bit of an up note because this is a heavy-duty subject, wasn't it? It is. Okay. a very interesting one. Oh, somehow we got the idea to do this, and I'm so glad we did because the research was tough, but it was very interesting. It also, for me, makes me think of like when you go to like a store mm-hmm. and there's constant surveillance. Mm-hmm. Or like if you're going out to, I don't know, if you're going out to a lake and someone who has their drone, does their mm-hmm. drone have a camera and just stuff like that. Well, We're always being watched in society today, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. But is there a way to match the word being watched and our sponsor, Honor Athletics? I do not see it. We're always watching out for them. Ah, I'm very thankful for Cynthia at Honor Athletics. Please support her. You can call her at 770-945-5150. You can see her on the web at honor-athletics.com or much easier than that, please scroll down to our show notes. And you can use our spy tactic and use Wildcat (laughs) Dojo as your code. Get it? (laughs) Okay, I'm just saying Lydia rolled her eyes at that one. (laughs) For your 10% discount. And thank you all. 
And you know what? Thank you guys both for doing this. It was really fun and really interesting. It was uh, a lot of fun. Learned a lot. Uh, very, very glad to be here. I can't wait for the next one. Absolutely. Okay. Start my goodbyes. Bye, everybody. Somehow we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Have a good week. I'll see everybody later. And on that note, I'm going to sign us out. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.